For my daughter Lucy, last summer was the summer of Hannah Montana. Then, five years old, she discovered the Disney Channel sitcom at a babysitter's house. Soon she progressed to Hannah Montana CDs, Hannah Montana backpack, Hannah Montana stickers, Hannah Montana underwear. <laughs> she memorized lyrics she didn't understand. She learned every dance move of hoedown throwdown. She asked us, if Hannah Montana died, could I be Hannah Montana? My daughter had become a proselyte of the religion of Hannah Montana. She knows more about Hannah than she does about Jesus, whom she told me is a myth, like Santa Claus. If Hannah Montana is a religion, what is its gospel? It's good news. Or is it bad news? Or both? For those of you unaware of Hannah Montana before this morning, she's a teen pop star created by the Walt Disney Company and played by Miley Cyrus, daughter of country singer Billy Ray Cyrus, who scored a crossover hit in the early 90s with Achy Breaky Heart. The conceit and genius of the Hannah Montana story is this. The superstar has a secret identity. By day, she's an ordinary teenager, an awkward brunette named Miley Stewart. At night, she dons a blonde wig and becomes Hannah Montana, rock star. Only Miley's family and her best friend know her secret, enabling her to live a normal life as a high school student, or as normal as the conventions of situation comedy allow. As her theme song goes, she gets the best of both worlds. Chill it out, take it slow, then you rock out the show. Hannah is a superhero for girls, an icon of devotion, and a portal to a million fantasies of fame and fortune. The first two Hannah Montana CDs and the movie soundtrack all hit number one on the Billboard 200. Miley Cyrus's The Climb topped adult contemporary charts last summer, and her party in the USA is currently the number one song in the country. Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus are big business and cultural forces to be reckoned with. What is the gospel of Hannah Montana? First comes a message of girl power wrapped in infectious, hook-laden rock and roll. I Got Nerve could be the tougher granddaughter of Helen Reddy's 1972 hit, I Am Woman. Hannah sings, I know where I stand, I know who I am, I would never run away when life gets bad, it's everything I see, every part of me, gonna get what I deserve. I got nerve. In Rockstar, which you heard as our prelude, Hannah's sweet on someone, but she doesn't go all goofy about it. I'm unusual, not so typical, way too smart to be waiting around, Tai Chi practicing, snowboard champion, I can fix the flat on your car. I might even be a rock star. Like Jesus, Hannah offers forgiveness for our flaws. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Everybody knows what, what I'm talking about. Everybody gets that way. If I'm not doing too well, why be so hard on myself? Nobody's perfect. I gotta work it again and again till I get it right. 
Nobody's perfect. You live and you learn it. And if I mess it up sometimes, nobody's perfect. Gloriously contradicting the messages of subservient self-sacrifice that silenced generations of girls before her, Hannah sings, don't let anyone tell you that you're not strong enough. Don't give up. There's nothing wrong with just being yourself. That's more than enough. So come on and raise your voice. Speak your mind. Make some noise. Like Jesus, Hannah promises to be our friend, mentor, and inner companion. I will be there with you all of the way. You'll be fine. Miley reassures us, I'll be right here where you need me. Anytime, just keep believing and I'll be right here. All you have to do is call my name, no matter how close or far away. Keep me in your heart and I'll appear. All you got to do is turn around, close your eyes, look inside. I'm right here. But unlike Jesus, Hannah is not preaching the coming reign of God. Instead of the living water of spirit, she proffers the elixir of fame. The eternal life, she promises, is 24-7 media exposure. Into the spotlight we will go, she sings, follow me because baby, life's a show. Into the spotlight you will see it's the only place to be. Instead of all of us being equal before God, Hannah lifts up individual specialness. There's not room in the spotlight for everybody. Not everyone can have the limo out front. Everyone may be a child of God, but fame is by its nature exclusive. The dream Hannah dangles before us is not of being one in the spirit, but of being different and better. Unusual, not so typical. She exhorts her fans to live their dream. But the dream of rock stardom is even less realistic than the dream of a street kid to play in the NBA. If girls can't be Hannah Montana, at least they can buy her stuff or convince their parents to. The gospel of Hannah Montana may be girl power, but its sacrament is materialism. This is the good life, she chants. Take a good look, have anything you want. This is the good life, dining with your friends at the fancy restaurant. Now, both Spotlight and The Good Life are songs associated with the persona we might call Bad Hannah, the out-of-control, fame-crazed diva of Hannah Montana the movie, before what her father calls two weeks of Hannah detox in rural Tennessee. But I doubt if the six-year-olds singing along with these songs understand the ironic use of persona. In, in Hannah Montana's world, Race is problematic. Hannah herself is a kind of white goddess, her identity both defined and concealed by long, straight, blonde hair. Her best friend Emily, white. Her love interests, white. Friends and family assembled for her grandma's birthday, all white. In Hannah Montana, the movie, there are three African-American characters, none positive. The publicist who cares only about Hannah's image, the supermodel who brawls with Hannah over a pair of shoes, and the bombastic small-town mayor comically humiliated when a pet ferret crawls up his leg. In the TV show, the queen bee mean girls, Amber and Ashley, are, of all things, African 
African-American and Asian. What's up with that? My daughter Lucy's first choice for a Halloween costume last month was Hannah Montana. But a little Chinese girl in a blonde Hannah wig, it just didn't seem right. Fortunately, at age six, Lucy was delighted with the adorable plush yellow duckling costume Julie found for her instead. Jesus is venerated 2,000 years later. Hannah Montana will be forgotten somewhat sooner. Miley Cyrus is already moving on, and the direction of her music is troubling. Not because it's edgier and more risque, which it is, but because it's leaving behind the message of empowerment that made Hannah Montana so appealing. In her 1995 classic, Reviving Ophelia, Unitarian Universalist psychologist Mary Pfeiffer calls girls' adolescence a social and developmental Bermuda Triangle, where they lose their zest, their self-confidence, even their selves. Pre-adolescent girls, Pfeiffer observes, are energy in motion, interested in everything, ambitious and fearless. But when they hit adolescence, she writes, they lose their resiliency and optimism and become less curious and inclined to take risks. They lose their assertive, energetic, and tomboyish personalities and become more deferential, self-critical, and depressed. As she sheds her Hannah Montana identity, the same thing is happening to Miley Cyrus's music. Last Monday night, Lucy and I attended Miley's show at the TD Garden in Boston. Her tour is called Wonder World, but a more accurate title would be Hannah Montana R.I.P. Miley sang just two Hannah Montana songs, Spotlight and Let's Get Crazy, both representing Bad Hannah. She sang only a fragment of Hoedown Throwdown, the dance craze from her summer movie. As her final encore, she sang her uplifting hit, The Climb. The remainder of the show featured music of alienation, frustration, and desperation. Listen to the opening lines of Simple Song. Wake up, here I go, cram it all down my throat, stomach so full that I wish I could choke. 7 a.m., my head's already in a spin. As soon as I'm out that door, bam, it hits me like a ton of those red bricks. Can't dig myself out of this madness. I swear sometimes I can't tell which way's up, which way's down. Where Hannah was way too smart to be waiting around, Miley asks, why do I just lie awake and think of you? Am I obsessed with you? I do my best not to want you, but I do all the time. I don't seem to have any choice. A painful breakup leaves her at the bottom of the ocean. Staring at these four walls, she ruminates, yeah, it's difficult watching us fade, knowing it's all my fault, my mistake. Yeah, it's difficult letting you down, knowing it's all my fault, you're not around. Then overcompensating, she acidly enumerates the seven things I hate about you and plays the dominatrix. Control you, I'll own you, I'll show you, but you still can't have it. Gonna drag you through this kicking and screaming. Of course, Miley sang her number one hit, Party in the USA. 
The song traces a fascinating reversal of the journey she makes in Hannah Montana, the movie. In the film, the Los Angeles superstar returns to her small, sound, small town Tennessee roots, so estranged she doesn't recognize her own horse. Two weeks of country living and a romance with a handsome farmhand help her get her priorities straight. In Party in the USA, a Nashville girl arrives in Los Angeles wondering, am I going to fit in? Hearing favorite songs by Jay-Z and Britney Spears helps calm her nerves. In the movie, the song Butterfly Fly Away celebrates a daughter growing up and finding her own way in the world. In Party in the USA, familiar music makes the butterflies fly away, signaling that Miley's going to be okay in this new environment. Rather than an anthem of independence, Party in the USA is a hymn to fitting in. Asked earlier this month which Jay-Z tune inspired her shout-out, Miley replied candidly, I don't know, I didn't write the song, so I have no idea. Honestly, I picked that song because I needed something to go with my clothing line. I've never heard a Jay-Z song. I don't listen to pop music. Party in the USA is not even my style of music. Instead of finding her own voice, Miley seems to be losing it. On her 2007 Meet Miley Cyrus disc, she shared songwriting credit on eight songs, including four as primary writer. But on her new CD, The Time of Our Lives, her only songwriting credit is on her duet with the Jonas Brothers about a failed romance, of course. Miley is listed fourth after all three Jonases. Lucy said the show last Monday was boring which I thought was a good sign. <laughs> Teen angst is a foreign language to her. We can't protect Lucy from the Bermuda Triangle of adolescence, but we have a few more years to prepare and strengthen her. As for Miley Cyrus, Cyrus I wish her well and hope for the best. Adolescence is a temporary condition which Miley has survived so far. She's an extremely talented singer. I hope she chooses more songs like The Climb and fewer like Obsessed and Kicking and Screaming, both for her sake and Lucy's. But as Hannah Montana likes to say, nobody's perfect. My prayer for Miley Cyrus this morning is also my prayer for Lucy and for each one of you. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not strong enough. Don't give up. There's nothing wrong with just being yourself. That's more than enough. Amen. And blessed be.